Welcome to the Radical Lifestyle Podcast, brought to you by Generation to Generation, where you'll be inspired by the past, equipped for the present, and prepared for the future as we engage in conversations with people from around the world. If you've been inspired by the guests that we've had on the podcast, please like, subscribe, comment, hit notification bells, whatever you can do on the platforms that you're listening on, so that more people have the opportunity of hearing these and engaging in our community. Hello everyone, this is Andrew and Daphne from Generation to Generation, and our guest today is Bob Neal. Bob, for people that don't know who you are, can you just say a bit about where you're from and what you do? Yeah, sure, that's great. Uh, thanks for having me. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm originally from uh, southeastern Florida and uh, grew up there, was not um, involved very much in church growing up, but uh, moved away to college in Baton Rouge and uh, got saved there, met Jesus, met my future wife. We've been together 32 years now and uh, have two great kids. And uh, and then, you know, God really dealt with us about going into ministry um, and uh, and we helped plant a church. We moved up to Memphis, which I know you guys have, have done a lot of work up in, in the Memphis, Tennessee area. And uh, we were there for 11 years as church planters and um, and uh, just felt God calling us back to, you know, my home state and uh, a little bit closer to family and things like that. So we resettled uh, up here in the Jacksonville, uh, Florida area, Northeast Florida, St. Augustine. And uh, we've been up here for 15 years. And, uh, and uh, just in the last six years, um, I've been uh, the pastor of a, of a campus, a location pastor of a campus of a, a mega church or multi-site church. And, uh, and that's kind of, you know, where we met you guys, you know, not too long ago. Yeah. And then for people that listen to this, they say, we want to see more about what he's doing. Maybe they can find some of your teachings. Uh, where can they do that? Uh, that's great. Uh, we um, well, we have a, a ministry that's really um, devoted to Jew Gentile reconciliation, but from a Gentile perspective. And uh, you can find that information on uh, onenewfamily.org, onenewfamily.org. And then uh, we're our, we're kind of rebranding or having a new church launch here next month, and uh, you'll be able to find that on St. John's dcc.org so it's a uh, s-t-j-o-h-n-s dot dot or, or st john's dcc.org okay and i will put those links in the description box so they're there ready for anyone listening to go and check out That's so great. i'm interested in a small thing you said in in the middle of what you how your introduction and you said the one new family the one new man but from a gentile perspective i haven't heard that phrase or that being done in any of our previous conversations can you can you unpack that a bit what do you mean from a gentile perspective yeah that's a great question um i i can tell you really in the past three to four years um god has brought a richness of us unpacking our hebraic christian roots and, uh, and it's just been so life-giving for us and many of our congregants and families. And, uh, and, and really, over time, unpacking those things, we had to, which I, I know a lot of people um, have trouble distinguishing, like, are, are we now Jewish? Am I still, you know, a Gentile? Do I do all of the, 
all of the Jewish things now and things like that. And uh, it's really been through some great um, counsel and friendship through people like uh, Ben Jester, who I know you guys have had on your podcast before. He's a great friend of mine. He lives right down the road from us here. Uh, Pastor Paul Wilbur, uh, who, who's pretty well known in uh, Messianic Jewish circles, and several others. Um, they've really helped us unpack how, you know, the, the, for, for being a Jew, um, there's a lot of distinctions there, and, and that's very important to hold on to those distinctions under the banner of Christ as being reconciled in Jesus. But for Gentiles, um, it's also important for us to maintain our distinctiveness and, and not to feel forced to become Jewish because that's, unless you're, anyway, I know this unpacks a lot of theology, but from the, the, the main thing that we felt was there are so many great organizations, so many great people on the Messianic Jewish side doing a lot of reconciliation ministries, and it's awesome. But I've had trouble finding champions on the Gentile side who are really pushing one new family, one new humanity reconciliation, and doing that on the church side. And so um, so that's kind of our, our call. That's what we feel God called us to do. And so we do so many, you can see this on the onenewfamily.org website. We do several events throughout the year. One, uh, it's coming up in just three weeks. We call it a, a biblical feast dinner party. And we do two of those a year. One is in the spring where we highlight the three spring biblical feasts out of Leviticus 23. And then we do another one in the fall where we highlight the three fall biblical feasts out of Leviticus 23. But the one constant is Sabbath, Shabbat. And that's the one festival that's celebrated every week throughout the whole year. And so we've We've really, so the, in those biblical feast dinner parties, we bring together Messianic congregations and several churches that are either curious about what that looks like, being reconciled as one new family with Jews and Gentiles serving the Lord together, or they're already rolling in several, um, several ways of bringing that into their, uh, into their practices of their church. And we just celebrate the Lord together, you know, and, uh, and and it's wonderful. God's power is there. You know, we like to say out of Psalm 133, where the Lord senses and sees unity, there he commands a blessing. And so these things are very blessed. And uh, and that's where it kind of lives for us out in that the third space of that ministry uh, in One New Family. Do you think the reason that um, that, one of the reasons why Gentile people slip into thinking they've got to become Jewish in in every way they can is because they don't understand their identity as Gentiles. I I don't see a lot of teaching, in fact I don't haven't seen any, which says this is who we are as Gentiles, this is our destiny, this is the calling on our lives, and this is who God created us to be. So if you're not secure in your own identity, you'll find another one to slip into? Yes, I, I have. I've seen that a lot over the last few years. And uh, I mean, I can tell you honestly, even personally myself, I had to come to um, really being reconciled with that issue. And, and it's really, you know, there's a verse where uh, Paul writes that, you know, in whatever state the Lord found you, remain in that distinction. And so really, we, 
we feel called to get the Gentile church up to speed with what really theologically and of the covenant and everything happens again, while remaining distinct in your, in your culture. And so reconciliation in Christ is the main theme and then everything out of that flows. And so I, I do think that there's um, there are some good teachings. I could recommend one is uh, Dr. David Rudolph. He he's, teaches at the King's University uh, in Dallas. Uh, we actually, when I was uh, in Dallas recently, got to spend time with he and his wife. And he's written a number of really good articles on this topic. Um, and again, Ben Juster, he's him and his dad, Dr. Daniel Juster, have written about this distinction. And um, and so yeah, there's some there's some resources out there, but I think we're enough, we're kind of at the cutting edge of a lot of revelation of what that really means. I can give you another great resource is Grant Berry, uh, Grant and Halle Berry. They do reconnecting ministries, and um, he's got a great thing called the Romans nine one one project, and it talks a lot about that distinction. Um, so the voices are coming forward more and more, uh, but I still feel like we're at the cutting edge of what God is doing. One thing that Grant uh, Barry says that I love that it, there really needs to be a remarriage before the rebirth. And so having these things worked out. And when I was talking to Dr. Uh, David Rudolph about this, I said, you know, it just feels like we need a lot of marriage counseling. <laughs> It, we really just need a lot. There's like communication issues and a lot of, you know, and all that. It, it feels like the church, you know, and Messianic congregations need a lot of marriage counseling to, to see how this is supposed to function as one new humanity. I mean, Jesus, it says in Ephesians that he broke down the wall of hostility. So it should be about uh, Jew-Gentile hospitality, not Jew-Gentile hostility hostility. And so because in Christ, he broke down that barrier, that partition. Yeah, so often, um, when when you de- do hear uh, a Gentile, uh, you hear someone from a Gentile perspective giving their thoughts on this, often, especially in England, you might think, you either might think or you then end up finding out that actually their teaching is from a replacement theology perspective. And so that's that's the angle they would come from. So normally if someone says, you know, oh, there's this guy teaching about, you know, what does this mean, Jew, Gentile, often we would then discover that. Or on the other side, when we've gone to churches who are very supportive of Israel, that are Gentile, um, they go way off the deep end. Uh, yeah. in their support, in trying to become them. It becomes very awkward. Um, and so, you know, when we got to come to yours, uh, I think yeah. we, we spoke after, actually. We, we talked to you afterwards and we said, this is the first place we'd been to where it felt normal. Um, it wasn't over the top where you were hyper aware of it. It wasn't so subtle that you didn't even notice it. It just it hit that sort of sweet spot where you recognized it was happening, yet it didn't feel odd. It felt very normal. Uh, and so I do recommend like people uh, check out what you're doing, uh, especially in relation to this. If this is something they're really wrestling with, you know, how do we as a body integrate sort of that Jewishness without taking it so far that people feel weird. I mean, we went to one place and um, 
and uh, we talked to a Jewish friend of ours afterwards. And we said, hey, uh, why don't you go check out this place? And again, there, there were mostly Gentiles there. And he goes, oh, I've been. And we were like, oh, okay, what did you think? And he goes, it was really weird. They were more Jewish than I am. <laughs> and that was his takeaway. He was like, I don't think I'm going to go back. <laughs> so, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, thank you. Uh, we, you know, I think the best part of it is we, we, we don't force this thing. We don't try to be, you know, whatever. It really is just as the Lord is leading us. Um, we just kind of do things that are normal. And I mean, it's becoming normal for us. But there, there, I think with intentionality, um, you know, some things, well, we always have, because we're community-based, we always have lunch together after every service. Uh, and with that, we always ensure that there's always a kosher option because we never want our, our Messianic Jews to feel left out, those kind of things. So there's, there's some intentionality with that. Um, but other than that, we accept one another in our distinctiveness. Um, it really should feel very natural and, uh, and we love it, but I'm glad you brought that, that, that term up about replacement theology. And, and then on the other side is a one law theology. And, and those are the extremes, I think on both sides. And that, again, I can recommend an article. Maybe if you do notes to the podcast, we can, uh, do I can put the links in the description. Yeah, because Dr. Uh, David Rudolph does a great exposition on, on those extremes. And his whole point is how do we do this without being weird, <laughs> which I love. Let's just yeah. not be weird about it, you know. And so, uh, so yeah, I think that's a great, a great thing to do. Mm -hmm. Now, I know, that, I mean, this whole thing is, is something you're walking out and it is still a journey for you as, as you figure these things out. Um, we also know that you've been on another journey and you're kind of breaking away from a traditional sort of mega church model of doing things. Uh, and we'd love to dive into some of that with you. Um, I think you've been involved with a number of big churches over the years. So can you yes. just talk to us a bit about, about your background in some of those churches? And what was the journey that took you to this point? Okay, that's wonderful. Yeah, thank you. Um, I got saved in, uh, in a, I guess it would be a mega church, you know, it's not, you know, 12,000. It was more like, you know, 2000 uh, size in Baton Rouge, non-denominational. And, um, and, and it was, you know, it was big, and it had a big school to it, you know, and just, uh, just a lot. And, uh, and it was really good, but we just felt called to go help our friends plant a church in Memphis. And, um, and there was only seven of us. We moved up to Memphis. This was in 96. I don't even know if Andrew was born. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and so we moved up there with seven people and, uh, the, the senior pastors, the founders, there are tremendous people. And, uh, and that's grown into quite a large mega church with many, many campuses. And, uh, and, and before it got to that level, um, after 11 years, I don't know, we were probably a couple of thousand, but that's where we felt like we needed to transition and kind of lay low, even in ministry for a while. Um, church planting is very, very hard work. Um, and it felt like not that I had hit a wall, but it just felt like God had changed our season. And so we, we resettled up here in Florida, the Jacksonville area. We just attended church for a while. 
uh, I started working on, um, you know, we've always, for the most part, we've been bivocational. We're both teachers, my wife and I. And uh, I know Daphne, you have a background in that as well. And so we kind of always balance that. And so when we moved here in 2007, God really felt like he was leading me to um, really, really invest more in the educational side. And so we were serving at our church here um, in, in St. John's, Florida. And, uh, and I, I went ahead and got my master's in educational leadership. I was preparing to be a principal of the school. I thought that's what God was preparing me for. Uh, and then he really called me to go further and get my doctorate in education degree. Praise the Lord. That was a challenge. Uh, it took five years to do that, but I graduated in 2020 uh, with a doctorate in education. Um, and then along the same times when I was starting that doctoral journey, um, they they asked me, the church, the mega church asked me to um, become the campus pastor of the campus we had been serving at. And, uh, and it was great. You know, we had uh, at that time, gosh, I think, uh, man, five campuses in the Jacksonville area and several campuses in different cities around America. And then it branched into international campuses as well. So very, very large megachurch, multi-site. Um, and then something, something strange really happened to me. Um, and I know the dates, April 27th, 2018. I was sitting here at my desk working on my dissertation and I had this incredible strong impression, like a vision of a tsunami coming to the earth. And um, what happened was, was in this vision, this prophetic vision, before the tsunami hit, there was a massive drawback. And in the drawback, it's like the shore goes on for miles. And what I saw when I looked down at the shore were things that were under the water that we couldn't see while it was underwater, but now the drawback revealed it. One was treasures, and the other was toxins. And I didn't really know what that meant at first. And so I was like, wow, this is, this is really dramatic. And then the, the tsunami came. And what happened was there was tall towers and then small homes that the towers got leveled to be at the same size of homes. And I wrote it all out. I called it the great leveling. And it was a prophetic vision. And so I, write, I started writing a lot about it, everything the Lord was giving me that something was coming uh, in this tsunami, this wave that was coming. And, um, and, and the senior pastor, the founding pastor of our church at that time, he really liked it and asked me to write a curriculum for a school of ministry based on this community-based model of ministry that, that the Lord was revealing. And, um, and so I wrote all that out. We never really, it got postponed, but at the same time, we really felt like God was calling us to leave our building where our campus was for 15, well, 17 years, we we're in that building. And God was calling us to transition out of the building-based ministry into a community-based ministry. So in November of 2020, uh, we left our building uh, and we had, well, okay, let me back up because obviously something very important happened before that. So I, what my struggle was, I understood some of the things that were in the dream later, like the treasures really was these Hebraic 
roots of, of just gems that we were not incorporating as, uh, as, a, as a spiritual growth process, discipleship, these things that are happening in the homes that our Jewish brothers and sisters have been rolling with for, for centuries. We, we had not really seen that before. So there were rich treasures. The toxins, I came to feel like it was about a lot of business practices that were being incorporated into the church that were really more secular and uh, perhaps rooted more in the tree of knowledge, more in the tree of life. And it was poisoning us, but we couldn't see it. And so, so that's where that kind of interpretation came from. But then I still struggled and I said, Lord, what could ever happen that would level the big towers of churches? It's such an industry, right? To the same size of the homes and neighborhoods. And then COVID hit. And on March 15th of 2020, uh, that was our last service in our building. And we, we, we were out and we had to figure out now, like every other church, we had to figure out like, well, what is church? Where is church? How do we do church now that we don't have these big buildings to gather in? And so we started meeting in clubhouses and homes and at this wedding uh, venue. And, uh, and God just really brought all this, you know, to a, a, a real moment of clarity and we really felt like in our deacons and our staff, we prayed and, uh, and then we, we chose to leave our building um, in November of 2020 to launch this community-based ministry model. And uh, that's what we've been doing for the last two years. And it's been incredible. We've seen God bring so much restoration in homes, so much restoration in real relationships that weren't just based on the building. Um, again, like I mentioned earlier, uh, we bring in some Jewish practices, like there's, there's something the Jews call oneg, which is a Hebrew word that means sweet. And for them, that means like having cake or dessert after their service. And I felt like the Lord was leading us to do something like that. So when we started our, our, our new community-based ministry, I've said, look, we are always going to have lunch together. That's a time of oneg. It's this time of sweet fellowship where we start to really get real in our relationships with people. And so we've just seen God do amazing things. Uh, last uh, September, we baptized 19 people, mostly right there in the St. John's River. <laughs> and it's just, uh, it's really been amazing to see uh, God moving in so many ways. Um, and uh, and some other, you know, news. So, so over the past two years, the senior pastors, the lead pastors of, of our megachurch, uh, really felt like they had noticed the distinctions and how unique this building, uh, this community-based ministry was from building-based. And so uh, they asked us to pray about forming our own 501c3 and uh, still staying relationally connected to the megachurch, but uh, legally, financially, missionally being an independent church. And so right now, like this, this month, we're in this process of changing our name. So our name is going to be the St. John's Discipleship Community Church. And our tagline is, we're a community of disciples making disciples. And uh, and we're really excited. And so all of this is happening right before Easter. <laughs> it's been really, really crazy. Uh, but, but everybody we've talked to, there's such a positive momentum right now because of that distinctiveness and how this is an expansion of God's kingdom work 
here in this in this region that we're very excited about. Selling a building, <laughs> I imagine, is kind of the last point when you jump off the diving board and you are plummeting towards the water. When you get rid of that building, it's probably the last thing you would do. Do you think if you had had that vision and COVID hadn't come, do you think you would have made the jump or do you think COVID forced you to step back and go, okay, if we're going to do it, now's the time to do it? Wow, that's a great question. I think I can tell you honestly, for me, after God gave me that vision and I knew something was coming, just so much was unreconciled in my life. Again, being a part of three mega churches over 30 years, uh, you know, being an ordained pastor in that and building these big buildings and programs and things like that, God had really, he was stripping away a lot of that framework from me um, to the point where I actually called my staff together one night after a Wednesday night service when we were in the building in 2019. I invited my, my wife and kids to come and I got rebaptized. And what I felt was the Lord had called me to die and bury a lot of the old mindsets that I had been brought up in and we were doing for me. I'm saying this is God speaking to me personally. I, I needed a time of reconciling that really burying, being, you know, just dying to all that and then rising up in a new way where he really is leading me and he's really giving me a framework that's more biblically based and led by the Holy Spirit. And that's what it took. That was a radical discipleship move <laughs> for me. And so at that point, I really felt like I resigned from the mega church uh, methodology. And again, I'm not trying to compare one right or one wrong. All I'm saying is God gave us this prophetic vision. Um, COVID help to clarify it because I don't, I don't know how many people would have left with this. I know for, for me and my life, I couldn't go back to it. So I had to move towards this community-based ministry. Um, and uh, there was just no, you know, it's the old saying of, you know, burn the, burn the boats, you know, when the explorers, they would come and they were like in a new home, they would burn the boats because it's, you can't go back. There's nothing to go back to. Check out, you know, a lot of the pilgrims, you know, when they came over, there was like, there's nothing for us to go back to um, because of the, the, the calling of God for this new land, this new work. Um, and, and we just kind of got to that point. So when we left our building, it was about with 70 people and it was scary. We launched into the wilderness. We didn't have uh, everything worked out. You know, we had a loose framework of what God called us to do. But the, the momentum, the growth, the spirituality in the homes has just been tremendous over the past two years. And so we feel like even, you know, launching out with our, our new church name and things like that is even going to help uh, help people kind of get more and more clarified to, to who we are and what we're all about. In, in every um, group of people, there are at least three different um Types. No, I'm not saying one's better than the other. Different. There's the visionaries, 
There's the earlier doctors, there's the laggards. I think there's one that goes in the middle there. Anyway, so how did this process work there? Because the visionaries will be going, yeah, we're on this. But then there's the others coming up behind who aren't that personality type. How did yeah. that work out? Wow, that's a great practical question. Um, it, it was... It was a season of transition for a lot of people. Um, again, COVID, in a way, somehow uh, actually was a blessing for those types of conversations because so much had, had begun being shifted in our institutions worldwide. Uh, There's so much instability and there was so much of a um, really diaspora is, is really what it was like with a lot of people questioning, like, what is church? What do I believe? And so for the people that I would say that really wrestled well with those issues and really came to a place where saying, you know, like Joshua is for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord and move forward. Uh, that wouldn't, they weren't looking for convenience. Uh, they weren't looking for, um, all the dots and, you know, T's crossed and I's dotted. They weren't looking for that. They just felt compelled by the Lord to move forward. Uh, they 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 transitioned well, um, and it was never like an ultimatum in any way. It was always like, "Hey, you know, God's called us to move in this new direction," and and slowly people started coming more and more. The cool thing is, uh, it was so funny. Our very last service, um, so and. Uh, it was March 15th, 2020, our very last service in the building, which we didn't know that Sunday was going to be our last building. It was after that, the world shut down. We had a first time guest come to our building and it was a gentleman. Um, he was very stoic. I like telling this, this story because he was very stoic. Didn't really say hi or bye. I always try to go out to the door and say bye to people, especially first time guests. And said bye to him. He was like, thank you. And he just walked on out and I was kind of hanging in the foyer. About five minutes later, this man comes back from our parking lot and comes up to talk to me. <laughs> and usually I'm like, oh Lord, this is either going to be really good or really bad. You know, what's it going to be? And he came out and he said, hey, I just felt like I needed to give you this. And he gave me his business card. And he said, I just feel like I need to let you know, I run a wedding venue two miles down the road. If you guys ever need to meet there or your staff wants to have a retreat there, just come on out. You can have it for free. I was like, wow, thank you so much. And in the back of my mind, I'm like, yeah, we got a building. We're not going to do that. But thank you. A very nice gesture. Well, lo and behold, that was our last Sunday. And honestly, it's kind of like maybe the baker and stuff <laughs> in the Joseph. I totally forgot about that guy's card. COVID shut us down. We're all scrambling. It was about in, in June. I had his card on my desk right here. And I was like, I told my wife, Paige, let's go pray over this wedding venue, this guy. And so we went out and prayed over the wedding venue. And we're like, wow, this place is incredible can I take you up on your offer that we could meet there? And he was like, of course. And guys, that became really our new church home uh, that we've met at, I mean, so much over the past two years. And it all happened. God just, he positioned it, you know, 
And so uh, we're in, at an outdoor pavilion. And so it does get a little cold sometimes, not really cold here, not England cold, <laughs> <laughs> but Florida cold. Uh, and sometimes it gets hot. So there's, there's those environmental factors, but um, people are so passionate about the relationships they're, they're making they kind of, that kind of gets smoothed out over a way. So over time. So, yeah, so it has been an interesting transition back to what you're saying, Daphne, about early adopters and visionaries and so forth. And as a church, you don't actually like you've got this wedding place, but you, you kind of bounce around um, locations yes. when you do all meet together. So can you, cause someone might hear that and go, wait, you, so you do meet together, but you bounce around venues. You don't have one location. Uh, can you maybe talk a bit about that? Because they may go, that just sounds like a lot of hard work. Um, so it why is, would you yeah. Why would you even bother doing that? That's, that's a great question. And I, I, feel like, I feel like the big underlying theological underpinning of this, you can find it in uh, 1 Corinthians 3, 9, where Paul says, you know, we are co-laborers in, in this work together, but you are God's field and you are God's building. So the big idea is people are a temple of the Holy Spirit. So wherever we go, we're bringing God's presence and his spirit with us. We don't always feel like that. We don't always think like that or act like that, but it's really a bigger idea of saying, hey, church is where we are, not a building. And the other thing is it really attacks the mentality that's so pervasive in Western culture called dualism, where it says, basically, I have, a, you know, a sacred life where I go to that building on that day during that time. And that's my sacred life. But then throughout the rest of the week, I have a secular life. I just don't believe that. I believe, you know, hero Israel, the Lord, our God, the Lord is one. And as we are made in God's image, as he is one, we have one life. And he expects us to demonstrate loyalty to him, loyalty to him in every part of our life, 7, 24, 7. And so it really gets at the, uh, the mindset that church is not a building. It's not a place. We are the church. And so we purposely go out. We, we, we do, I can tell you this, in the last seven weeks, we've only met at that wedding venue three times. Uh, we purposely go into clubhouses, you know, in America, in this area, they build this ginormous clubhouse for their, you know, their, their, you know, birthday parties or whatever. And, uh, and we go in and rent those out and we have church in the neighborhood. Uh, we also have several Sundays where our deacons They'll have church in the home and, and several congregants will go to the homes and have church. And then we'll have church at the Grove too. But we really do what we call seven weekly gatherings. And we say Sunday is no more important than, you know, the men's Bible study or the Sea Kids neighbors. They're all in uh, equal importance. It's just on Sundays, there's a lot more logistics to work out. And so it kind of feels like it, but we say, no, this is all church. And what we, what God gave us a little, uh, a statement when we left our building and said this, that we're a community-based ministry now. So we're bringing church to you. And so here's what we said, instead of you just coming to church, now the church is coming to you. 
And every time we launch out into a neighborhood clubhouse or the homes, we have more people show up there than we do at our normal vet wedding venue. And it's, it's powerful. And it's, again, Jesus modeled this, y'all. And I don't mean to get on a big soapbox, but he did not come and just prop his feet up in the temple and just say, hey, y'all come check, check out. It's the Messiah. No, 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 no. He went to the people. He went with the people. He lived among the people and brought church to them and expected them to be the lights, the bright lights that, that, that shined everywhere that they went. And so, again, I hope everybody is hearing my heart. I'm not against church buildings. I just do not believe a building should be the center of spiritual growth and activity. I think really more than anything, it's the person, it's the home, and then it's expressed in the community. Wow. Well, that that is a thought-provoking, biblical, practical, inspirational, every which way you look at it, vision that I think people listening, for many of them, it will rattle some cages and and that's a good thing because we, we like having cages rattled. we like it i've had mine rattled in the past and i'm grateful um so i think it will rattle some cages especially perhaps for pastors or leaders so as we draw to a close bob i wonder if you could pray for any leaders or pastors who are listening to this and I believe there will be many who will be going, yeah, this really resonates with me, with the way that I feel the Spirit is leading me, but it feels a very scary journey, and will I lose all my church and a whole load of what-ifs? So do you think you could draw this to a close by by praying for those people as they're listening to this? Absolutely, absolutely. I think uh, if you guys do... Uh you know, disclaimers, you know, like if you watch a, a TV show that has this radical stunt on it, it's a viewer discretion advised, do not try this at home, <laughs> whatever. I feel like there probably needs a disclaimer that unless this is the Holy Spirit yeah. leading you to do it, don't do it. <laughs> Just right. because there's multiple expressions in the body of Christ and, and that they all have their place and distinction. And that's wonderful. But, but yeah, let's pray that if people are feeling this and they don't know the path forward, then absolutely talk to us. We, we counsel people all the time in these kind of things. It's funny that I'm good friends with the guy who after 10 years met in a school and now he just got his building last month. And when I'm talking to him about, you know, after 17 years, we left our building and he's kind of like, oh, you know, <laughs> Uh, most most pastors like they work so much to get that building and then it's like ah we got it well and again that might be what God's calling you to do um, and and do that but again it's not really so much about the place it's about what the spirit is leading you to do and it's about the people really getting to Jesus with no hurdles no no blocks and so uh, so yeah yeah let's pray for that and um We'll just believe together. So, Lord, we just thank you, Father, for being just such a good father to each one of us, Lord. And, and, and you just said so many times about the Holy Spirit that you would be our teacher. You would be our guide. You would be the one giving us the answers to the questions that we have. 
So Father, I thank you that that you are leading your church by the Holy Spirit, and um, and we're being conformed to our destiny to be conformed to the image and likeness of your Son Jesus in every way. And so Father, I pray for the pastors and leaders that are hearing this message and uh, just in a time of maybe in a valley of decision about their future. Father, we first of all pray for the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Father, we proclaim shalom, wholeness, peace, that you would put things together and that as, as they make uh, decisions prayerfully based decisions about their future, Lord, we pray for unity with all of their staff, unity with all of their congregants. We pray, Father, that you would lead the charge just as you gave the Israelites a, 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 a pillar of a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. You would lead them how they were to walk and how they were to go. Father, we pray for clear signs of direction uh, in their future, Lord. So thank you so much for all that you're doing, God. And we just honor you. And uh, we just so thank you for being such a good shepherd of the church of your, of your son, Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Bob. Really appreciate it. Again, if you're listening, these things resonate with you. If you have questions, either, either about the church and the way he's doing it, or even about the whole Gentile Messianic Jewish thing, um, then uh, really go to the description box check out the links reach out to them ask them questions uh, i know we've been there uh, we love these guys and what they're doing so thank you so much bobby really ta- appreciate you taking the time thank you and thank you guys good to see you again thank you for listening to this episode remember if it inspired you share it with others so we can see more people engaged in this community